Well, good morning, Nukov. It's so good to see you. Thanks for being here. And those of you online, uh, we are so happy that you're joining us and, and making Nukov a part of your home. So I have amazing news for you. There's always hope. And what I want to say, it's never hopeless and you're never helpless if Emmanuel, God with us, has invaded your life. And so all we, all the uh, uh, last couple, uh, couple of months, we've been looking at uh, stories about jars of clay. Those of us who are broken, and I would say that would be everybody in this room. Some of us, uh, I'll be at the top list, are more broken than others. Uh, but the beauty is, great is God's faithfulness. And the, the focal verse we've been looking at is in 2 Corinthians 4-7. This is my translation after last week. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this super eminent, far more exciting, all-surpassing, dynamic, miraculous power is from God and not us. This is about anybody here in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ. That even though you may have a broken life and things are not going the way you would like for it to be, you are filled with this superpower, and it's the power of God. And it's to be seen that it's God in us and not we ourselves. So this whole series has been about second, third, and fourth chances. It's been about turnarounds. It's talked about jars of clay, you and me, and it's never hopeless. You're never helpless when God has invaded your life. So today I want us to talk about an unusual story. Many of you might know the story. And by the way, just for, for your information, Fred's acting up this morning. So we'll just let Fred do his thing and that, I'll be all right, all right? If I'm okay, you're okay. Get it? All right. So uh, we're going to talk about Samson. Now Samson is an unusual guy and it's a heavy story. And I want, I want to make sure we get the most out of it. But I want you to know we're going to add a little bit of light humor in it to just to help soften the blow a little bit. But this story is about everyone in this room. It's found in Judges 13, 2 to 5, page 252 if you use the Bible in the seat pockets. You will want to jot down uh, some of these passages, Judges 13. Because if I tell the story well today, you're going to spend your next week reading through Judges and getting all the detail of this amazing story. So, beginning with verse 2. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of Danites, had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. Sterile and remained childless. That's always difficult for anyone, but especially back then, the generation after generation of heritages, there's a problem there. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine, or other fermented drink, that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and birth a son. No razor will be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, we may wonder, why is he setting up this story this way with these details? Why would he give these kinds of details? This is a huge story, because God is setting up a life of someone who's not just going to be an answer prayer to Manoah and his wife. Certainly that's huge for them. They were unable to have a child, and God says, I'm going to make it so that you do are able to conceive. 
But they're going to conceive a son whose, whose life, he becomes the judge for Israel, and he, he's going to free them from the Philistines. They've been in captivity for years and years and years. And God is setting up a story to restore and bless them. He's going to raise up this judge. It is never too late for you to turn and trust in Jesus. The reason I want to share this story is because many times we think that that's somebody else. God has plans for somebody else. But in this passage, God knew about Samson even before he was conceived. Now, we find passages like that in Psalm 139, and you're very aware of this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any of them even came to be. That God has a plan for your life. And it's not just to make it through the end to, 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 to go to heaven, but God has a plan to impact your life in such a way that other people are impacted as well. This is, this is an amazing story, and I want us to, uh, to gain some more from it. So in, in your case, your life is trusting Jesus. It's not just about you. It's about a much larger story. When you turn, or in this case this morning, return to Jesus, God will open the door for numbers of people to turn to Jesus. It is a bigger story. So they name him Samson. And in Judges 13, they describe Samson a little bit about how this happened. The woman gave birth to a boy, named him Samson. He grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manoah, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. God was doing something huge in his life. And if you remember, Samson was gifted with amazing strength. He once killed a lion just with his bare hands. Pretty amazing, is that? Another time he killed 30 men all by himself. Now remember this was wartime and the Philistines were trying to uh, knock out the, the tribe of Israel. He's the Rocky Balboa of the Old Testament, if I could just say that. <laughs> now Rocky, I mean Samson, did something, the Philistines did something terrible to his family. So he catches 300 foxes and he tie, tie, pulls them together in pairs ties their tails in, into pairs with torches and chases them through the Philistine countryside, messing up all their, all their crops. Not only was he able to do that, he took the jawbone of a donkey and he struck down a thousand Philistines. He seemed invincible, but there was one thing that brought him down. One thing that brought him down. It was a struggle with women. Now, the more we read about him, we see this pattern of temptation against the advice of his parents. He marries a Philistine woman, and it gets worse. Now, the thing that would be easy to do is to judge him for this kind of thing. How could somebody do, be, have, have trouble with this? But before we, we judge him too much, it's basically all of us in this room. That Satan knows where we're weak. And he's going to leverage that to try to get you to put other people in, in, in God's place. It's about who's on the throne of your life. If something is controlling or competing to be on the throne of our lives other than Jesus, we need to acknowledge it. And we've got to remember the throne of God is a one-seater, not a two-seater. And so as we contemplate this morning, the prayer would probably be, God, is there an area in my life that seems to be taking over control of my life and I seem to be putting that on the throne of my life and dismissing you or displacing you with that. 
Okay, let's pick up Judges 16, verse 1. One day Samson went to the Philistine town, uh, town of Gaza. He spent, their night, spent the night there with the prostitute. Again, another problem. The people of Gaza find out that Samson is there, and they plot to kill him in the morning. Somehow he is uh, alerted to that. And so he, early in the morning, he, he, on his way, he grabs us in the middle of the night. He grabs the, the city gates with his bare hands. He rips them out with two posts and bar and all. So the, both the gates and the bar and the wall, he carries 40 miles up to a, 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 to a hill near Hebron just to say, don't mess with me. I mean, the guy is incredible. Power, he had power. But again, he was not willing to, to submit to what God wanted for him to do. Judges 16, 4 to 5. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek. That is a valley that leads into uh, the Moabite and Philistine area. And so he has no business being in there. Again, the lure of temptation. And he finds this woman named Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his, of his great strength and how we can overcome him so that, we may, uh, so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah, and she knows better, but Delilah says, the money's more important than Samson. So she says, it's a deal. Again, our... Because he said, I've got to have this woman, he sets himself up for a major fall. So to Delilah, the money looked great, so she takes the job. So the first thing she does, she's not clueless, but she is just right in his face. She comes out and asks Samson, what's the secret of your strength? At that point, you would think, Samson, get a clue. If she's trying to find out what your strength is, she's not the right woman for you. This is not, not healthy. But he plays right along, and he said, If I were tied up with seven bowstrings, I would be weak as a kitten. So Samson falls asleep, a heavy sleeper apparently, because she ties him up with seven bowstrings, and she shouts, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here, the Philistines are here. He breaks up, breaks the, breaks the, the bowstrings, and she says, You lied to me. No, duh. So you'd think at this point he gets a clue. But he then he says, so what's, your, what's the key to your strength? He says, okay, I was just kidding with you. If you'll put a brand new rope on me, a brand new rope, that'll hold me. So he falls asleep, heavy sleeper again. She ties him up with a brand new rope. And she says, the Philistines are, Philistines are coming, the Philistines are coming. He breaks the rope and she looks at him. You're making a fool out of me. Now really, what is your uh, what's your, your, the, the clue to get you to be weak again? So he says, all right, if you braid my hair into seven braids, and remember, he hadn't shaved his head because he was a Nazarite vow. If you braid my hair into seven braids and weave them into a weaver's loom, then it's a good thing. That'll I mean, a bad thing for me, good for, for the Philistines. So same song, third verse, same as the first. She said, the Philistines are on you, the Philistines are on you. And he breaks free again. At this point, she's just now mad and tries to shame him and answer out of him. Judges 16, 15 to 17. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Wow. Shame, shame works, but not for very long. 
And this is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since my birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once again, he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned, to the sil- returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and began to subdue him, and his strength left him. And then she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before. I'll shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him there with the bronze shackles. They set him up to grinding in the prison. He was called by God and set apart by God, but didn't follow through. Now, I've I've shared this numerous times with you before but in Acts 17 it says God is not served by humans Uh, he gives everyone life and breath from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries with their lands so think about this that God has placed you exactly where he wants you. He has plans. In fact, we read in Psalm 139. Even before you were conceived, God had huge plans for you. And he placed you exactly where he wants you right now. You may not like where you are, but God has placed you around other people who desperately need to know Jesus. And apparently, the best way for them to get to know Jesus is for them to hang out with you. So as I look at my neighborhood as I look at where God puts me in positions to realize it is a God or it's a God-given plan that he knew at this such a time. And also for parents of those who have young kids, I want to encourage you because some of us old geezers, we think, oh, my word, it's so hard for these kids who are growing up in, in a crazy world. But God knew that. And he placed your kids, your grandkids in this particular time and he placed Laney, who we'll baptize in a few minutes, placed her in this very time that she would impact the world for Jesus. And so the, what do we learn from this? So before I finish the story, let me draw some things. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, if, if Jesus were your professor right now and your professor said, above all else, you'd be taking notes, Right? And here's the creator of the universe who's speaking, and he says, above all else, guard your heart because that's the wellspring of life. What you feed your mind matters so much. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing what? Of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And allow God to, to, to rule your heart. So number one, guard your heart. Number two, Found in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So the second takeaway, keep short accounts with Jesus. Every day, I pray this prayer. I say, God, would you search my heart? Would you know me? Would you test me? And if there's anything that is wrong, if, there, if I'm allowing something horizontal to become vertical in my life, God, would you show that to me so that I want, I want to be useful for you? It's God to search deep. And it's a, it's a medical term that says, search me and know my heart. It's the pulling the depth and looking beyond the skin level. Keep short accounts. Third, found in Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Take away consistent intake of God's word. Every week, we challenge you with a version reading for those that don't, don't already have a, a plan that they're using right now. Every week, we call you to, to spend time in God's Word because that's where truth is. We read God's Word and align our life to the Scripture. Consistent intake of God's Word. It's a principle of life. What you feed grows. What you starve diminishes. That's not rocket science. What you feed grows and what... You starve, diminishes. So what do you do if you feel like you've blown it and blown, blown God's plan for your life? Or another way, what if you started strong but you feel like you're ending weak? There's encouragement for you. Judges 16, 23 to 25. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. But when the people saw him, they praised God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And so while they're in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. But God can redeem anybody who turns toward him. This next verse I'm going to read is going to become your new favorite verse for, your, for this week. Judges 16, 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again. The hair on his head began to grow again. We have raw eggs for all of you to consume in just a few moments. God is always greater than any circumstance. And he's greater than any consequence. This is what is so, I want you to know. This is huge for you. It's never too late to turn your heart to Jesus. The story of God's redemption is for everyone. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Call on the Lord while you can, while you can find him. Call on him while he's near. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who are called according to God and love him and are called according to his purpose. That God can cause all things to work together for good when you turn towards him. It is never too late for a turnaround. It is never too late for a turnaround. We want to encourage you to do that today, that you'd call on the Lord while he may be found. So let me finish the story. Judges 16, 26. Samson told, said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. 
Now the temple was crowded with men and women, and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. Sounds like one of the thieves on the cross who was dying with Jesus. Remember me. That's, that's such a simple prayer to say, God, would you remember me? I want my life to matter. I want it to count. I want, I want to have an impact on the people that you've placed around my life. Oh, God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central, central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. God is always greater than any consequence. You're never too far gone. C.S. Lewis put it this way. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. Going back is the quickest way on. It's just never too late to turn your heart to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, regardless of whether we've been faithful to you or not, today is a brand new day. And I pray for those that don't yet know you, God, how I pray that you would take them and that they would open their hearts to you today and say, Jesus, remember me and I open my life to you. I want my life to matter. I want my life to be about what matters to you. And Father, for those uh, of us who already are followers of you, God, how I pray that if there's any area of our lives that is displeasing to you, that we're allowing something or someone to become number one in our life instead of you, God, would you reveal that to us so we can confess that so we'll be useful and prepared for whatever you call for us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.